Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Well, welcome to Real Cuff Radio, where co-host Todd Black and I have Captain Ronald Johnson on the line. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you coming on to uh, talk about your memoir, which is called 13 Days in Ferguson. That had quite an experience. It really was, and I tell everybody it was life-changing. Yeah, I, I can't, you know, when I was reading your memoir and I was sitting here thinking to myself, that was like being thrown right into the lion's den. Anybody could have ate you alive. The the people who were writing, the media, the other officers, it was like, no, I, I don't even know. What did you think when they turned around and said, hey, you're going to be captain today? You know, initially my emotions were all over the place, and, and I asked, you know, of course, quickly to myself, why me? Why am I being put in this spot? Uh, but immediately, uh, you know, it became just a walk of faith, and I just said, you know what? I'm here, and there has to be a reason, and sometimes you don't have to ask why. You just have to walk with it. Um, one of the things my husband and I were, when we were discussing about uh, interviewing you tonight was I mentioned to him that... Martin Luther King Jr. would have been very proud of how you handled the whole situation with uh, not a violent approach at all, which was exactly complete opposite of what was going on. I was just going to say, I remember when I, this was four years ago, and when I saw it come across the news, I thought, holy moly, I can't believe it. Are we going back in time? I mean, are we not progressing forward? But it seemed like just such a, uh, I was just in shock. I was in shock. I couldn't believe that we were having something like this going on in, in America today. But uh, that was my thought. And, I, and that's what I tell people. For me, it took me back to that moment also where I started seeing canines on our streets and, and started seeing the same kind of, 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 of interaction. And I just said, we're not going to go through that today. We're not going to go back to that point. And whatever... Our, I could do whatever uh, we could do as a, as a police department community. We we need not go back there. Yeah, you know, I was seeing in the perspective too that anytime you have a fire and throw fire on top of a fire, it's just going to be a bigger blaze. So your approach was almost like, in a sense, uh, a fresh drink of water. And uh, did you notice when you first started walking? You know, uh, it seemed like you were saying you were walking morning and night. But uh, did you see, like, maybe bug eyes? They just couldn't believe their eyes, what they were seeing when you were doing this approach instead of, being, you know, not, not bringing out riot gear. And, and uh, here you are with no vest on and just your police uniform and trying to talk. Did you kind of see that the people, were they in shock? They just didn't, didn't expect this at all? Well, they really were. When I walked down the street that first day, people started to come out of this crowd and started to hug me. And people that I never met and people said, you're out here, you're seeing our face. You want to hear what we have to say. And, and so uh, it kind of took off from there. And that's really not what I thought was going to happen. And I can tell people all the time, I walked down that street initially from a policeman's perspective to see what our surroundings were. Uh, and that first day that I walked there, I really didn't get a chance to see our surroundings because people were coming out and embracing the walk and 
And and then this year when I got to this group of ladies, I said, can we pray for you? And then right there from that moment, I knew that I was doing the right thing and I needed to continue just to walk that path each and every day. I appreciated how you wrote in your book, item by item, detail by detail, the officers not understanding what you were hearing on the street, just all the details, well written. Thank what are you going around telling people now that you learned from this situation? Are you seeing that that this made a difference maybe with the blue and people who are frustrated or just the racial tension maybe between the officers out there on the streets and just misunderstandings? You know, I tell people when we can talk, we find out that we, we have more in common than we have apart and that the same things that we all want out of life and for our families, for our kids and for each other, they're the same. And we just have to talk through those. And I think that's what happened when I began to walk down the street to put the officers on the streets. They began to have conversations that they hadn't had before with people from different races and socioeconomic backgrounds and educational platforms. And so people start seeing how much they were alike. And people began to say, it's not that I don't like the police, but we have to respect each other. And I'm going through a lot of different struggles in my life. And so I think it did change lives on both sides of the issue. Are they duplicating this other states or in, in different places in Missouri now? Well, I, I, we know we've, we've got more community events, law enforcement and starting more programs, but communities are communicating with each other better. So I think we're seeing that and, and we're seeing across our country when we have other issues. You begin to see the police go out into the crowds and walk out in the streets and talk. And so from that standpoint, I think we're moving forward, and I think they saw some, law enforcement saw some positive gains by getting out and talking. You know, many people would say, you know what, no one's ever really saw who I was. They walked past my face and never hear my voice. And so when I speak across the country, I tell people a lot of times, what you're hearing from me are the words of the people that sometimes we all pass by. You know, they can. I just want them to understand, here, all of a sudden, you're thrown into this position. <laughs> you know, the everything else, but the white police officers got angry and felt like you were uh, a traitor to them. And it, it just it just opened up a, a can of, of, of worms, basically. And that is true. But I also tell people that that moment when I walked down the street of Ferguson that first day, and this group of ladies came out and prayed for me, no one threw a rock at me. The name calling stopped. And so there was that my sense of protection was there. And from that point, I really had no fear because I knew that my faith and my God was protecting me. And, you know, my wife didn't like me not wearing my vest, but I told her I didn't have this fear. And it wasn't an arrogant. I just, there was something about that moment that just told me just to walk in faith. And, and, and that was his plan for me was a walk. And that was totally it, walking in faith. I mean, you had to do that. Yes. You know, people would say, what's your plan for tomorrow? I said, I, I have to wait till tomorrow. And I knew God would give me that answer and that plan. And so then we talk about what we were going to do that next day. What, what about, let's, let's talk about racism and stuff. What can we do, communities all over the United States, to try to start changing this? Because you know, my wife mentioned earlier about Martin Luther King Jr. Well, in, in his speech, I had a dream. You know, he talks about the whites and the blacks holding hands. And, and you know, he talks about us coming together. I, truthfully, I think it's about time that we do. I think it's about time we fulfill his speech. I agree. And, and I think that we, we have to have honest conversations. Uh, we have to have different conversations. You know, and sometimes we have these group meetings. And I say sometimes the, 
It's to be talking to the choir. We have to go out into our communities and talk to those people that may not come to the neighborhood meetings, eat at some of those restaurants that we normally may not eat at, and, and just start having these honest conversations. And, you know, a lot of people talk about being colorblind. And I said, I don't want anybody to be colorblind. We're colorblind to each other. We don't see the value that each of us have. And so I think we just have to be honest, and we have some differences, but we're alike in so many ways. And I think we saw the end of those initial protests in Ferguson come about because people started to talk. They started showing respect to each other. You know, my dad was born and raised in Mexico. I was raised with 82, you know, plus in a Hispanic community. You know, I looked like a gringo and my last name's Black. So I was called Negro my whole life, basically growing up. But I don't think I ever felt the racism that I feel now, you know, even in that situation. I don't think that, I mean, it it seems like we have taken a turn for the worse. And uh, I would love to see us start to go back the other way and be able to embrace each other and not have this stigma. Um, You know, for instance, you know, Black Lives Matter. Well, all lives matter. I think we need to get to that point. I mean, including the unborn lives. They matter, too. Yes, we, and I agree with you. We're in some of the most challenging times of my lifetime, and that I could never imagine. And my hope is that we're going to have uh, some greater conversations and that we can move forward and that, that one day that the kids that are brought into this world can have peace, the peace that we, we, all, we all seek. And I think our faith plays such a role in that, uh, and we have to believe in that and keep walking and knowing if we keep walking on that path, It'll be okay. We'll get them. You know, like you were saying, talking to people, everybody thinks they have some kind of an answer and stuff. And and this morning I was talking to a group of people and someone brought up, they said, well, you know, the problem is we don't have the fathers at home and we don't. Now, as far as I know, Michael Brown's father was there protesting. So I assume that he was probably the father at home. Um, I don't know that for sure, but, um, uh, yes, I do agree with that. It would be nice to, that that more fathers were, you know, not just having kids and taking off. But uh, I don't think that's the complete answer. But I also think that as fathers, and I, in a lot of our urban communities, there there is a single parent and mothers are the head of those households. But I also talk about as fathers and men, we can do more. And sometimes we may have to be a father to someone else's son. And I know just recently I'm trying to get involved to be a, a big brother in the Big Brothers and Sisters program. And so that's something that Ferguson has created in me, that my son is, is, is older and away from home. And so sometimes we have to give more of ourselves, and it's just not about our home and, and where we are. And we can help each other out and be those mentors, whether men and women, be mentors to those that uh, that we can train and help. Go ahead, Julie. I was just going to ask, is Ferguson uh, way better off now? Have you seen a lot of progress since this and uh, rebuilding think, different mindsets? I think Ferguson is moving forward, but I call it inch by inch. You know, Ferguson kind of had two platforms. It had uh, one part of his community that was doing really well and another part that was struggling. Uh, the part that's struggling is still kind of struggling. Uh, there are a lot of plans that are on the table. Uh, they just announced they're building a new boys' club there with the girls' club. The Urban League built an Urban League center there. Uh, so people are trying. But, you know, it took a long time to get there. And it's going to take a while to, 
to, to get where we need to be, but they're moving forward inch by inch. Uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of fences to be mended, um, a lot of relationships to be established throughout our whole community. Well, it's only been, what, a little over four years now. So, uh, unfortunately, any time a riot or something like that happens, it, it really hurts the community, especially when you catch stuff on fire and tear down buildings and makes businesses not want to come back. That is true. And then when it happened all over our country, you know, uh, Ferguson brought people from all over the globe to Ferguson. And, and I think when we have these incidents across our country, it affects communities throughout our nation. And uh, we have to find that answer all over our country. And I think the answer is going to be the same. Communicate. We have to, of course, create jobs, have uh, better educational systems. So there's a lot that has to come together to get there and have those conversations. Now, what about some of the the uh, police officers that were white? They, they kind of initially were very angry at you. Have have they come back and, you know, uh, apologized or got your friendships back? You know, I, I think some of them have and some haven't. But it's the same thing on the protest side. Some protesters have and some haven't. But, you know, one thing that I said doing Ferguson, you know, when I would go and pray at the command center or go pray in my private time at home, you know, I told God I'll take whatever criticism that I have to take. But I just wanted to make sure that no one else lost their life in this incident. So if, if you allow that to happen under my watch, whatever criticism I took or get that I was willing to accept that, of course, you know, you lose some friends. But I've made a lot of friends and relationships that I would have never had. That, that I value greatly. That's good. That's amazing. I was just going to say that uh, I hear that, you know, talks coming to the table, but uh, my prayer would be more action, more action and less talking. <laughs> Get the job done, make progress, or at least, you know, come to a plan and keep going forward with it instead of just talking. Any, any other questions you have, Todd? Well, we had talked earlier about asking him, you know, where – where do you want to see this book go? And, you know, where are you going in the future, basically? Well, actually, I am retiring November 1st after 31 years as a state trooper. And uh, I joined a team called Lodestone, L-O-D-E-S-T-O-N-E-S-G. It's a consulting leadership training company. And we want to go out and consult and, and talk about leadership and how we all can be leaders and, and talk to corporate America, how they can be better leaders and lead their workforce. And consult communities and uh, on how to outreach and and uh, and work together and engage each other and then law enforcement how they can be better in having this conversation and understanding. So you know, our hope is to go across this country and create that kind of platform and that kind of change. Uh, do some motivational speaking and just talk about how do we lead when everybody's watching. And I think we lead from that. We talk about leading from that moral compass and our faith that has to guide us in everything that we do. I definitely, you know, hear in, in what you wrote in your book and what you're saying that this definitely strengthened your relationship with God during this whole ordeal. It truly has. And, you know, and I, and I told people that other times in my life, I've questioned God and, and why, why me, why this? But in this case, I needed not question him. It was like, if this is the task that you've given me, uh, I know you're going to make me strong enough. And even though some of those prayers were, were filled with tears and, 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 and pain, I knew I just kept walking every day that I needed to walk. And when I walked down that street, when I'd get on that street, 
was walking. I was walking with him. Okay, here we, here we go. I know you've got me. And I tell you, I felt that greater peace walking down those streets. And so hopefully this book will be something that can create some change. You know, in the book, that I try to show who I am as a person and, and not this perfect, not this perfect, not this guy with all his answers. And so when I speak, I, you know, I tell people, you may see me as a traitor, you may see it as a coward, or you may see me as courageous. And doing Ferguson, I can understand all those vantage points. And I don't try to change people's mind. I just talk about, I just want to tell you about my walk. Uh, by the way, congratulations on 31 years and soon retired. But uh, Thank you. what is, um, what's the website it's that uh, people Lodestone. can look it up? Yes, it's www.lodestone, L-O-D-E-S-T-O-N-E-S-G.com. All right. And is the, uh, do you already have? speakers it's already going you're going to be included in it or are you starting this yes it's up and running we're, we're, yes so we've got a great team they can go to the website and find the team and please contact us all right that would be great we'll connect that to it well, i just want to uh tell you thank you so much for for coming on and for for writing this book i enjoyed it and i'm just grateful to see that you know it turned out we can just say it was a miracle that that dissolved yes. in 13 days yes Yes, it truly was. Well, blessings to you on your new adventure, and uh, sounds like you're putting action to your words, too. So. I, I'm just like you when you said it's about action and not about words, and uh, that was right up alley. And so now I agree with you. We have to have action, and that's how we, we make a change. All right, Captain. Well, many blessings to you. Well, thanks to you and Todd, and blessings to you. And if you ever need anything, please call. That's great. Well, that's a wrap. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, with its vicious racists, with its governor 
having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together this is our hope this is the faith that i go back to the south with with this faith we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee, sweet land of liberty of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city. We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last.